Would I have done it right? Is it possible? Probably not. It is <laughs> possible. Hello, welcome. It's Terrible History. I'm Alexis. I'm Haley. And today we're going to talk about Lafayette. Lafayette. Lafayette, you know. Yep. America's favorite fighting Frenchman. Who is uh, going to Bless. be played by David Diggs in my brain <laughs> for the entire span of all these episodes. As he should. Yep. <laughs> David Diggs improves all people he plays, makes him better, makes you like almost like Thomas Jefferson, which is upsetting <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Um, but Lafayette's a good boy, so it's okay to like him and think he's David Diggs. He should be. He's a Virgo. <laughs> we were looking up uh, birthdays of people, like famous people last night. And uh, he is a Virgo. He's a Virgo. <laughs> and there's, so is von Steuben. Yeah, which are, you know, our organizing foreign um, uh, helpers uh, for our revolution. So makes sense. Uh, we, we notice a shocking lack of Earth signs. There's so many Aquariuses. There's so many Virgos. A whole bunch of, like, Arieses. Scorpios. <clears throat> and Scorpios. But, like, the Virgos come in like, you need to organize. Uh... And then you mentioned that you looked up uh, Robespierre and that he was a Taurus. Did mm-hmm. you see the message I sent you? No. So I looked up John Wilkes Booth uh-huh. and he's a Taurus too. <laughs> So I just sent it to you. Just a screenshot that says John Wilkes Booth, Taurus. Because <laughs> Haley's a Taurus. Taurus. Uh, and I'm an Aquarius. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk about Lafayette, the Virgo. Uh, I have mainly looked at the sources. Uh, there's a graphic novel by Nathan Hale. I think it's just called Lafayette with an exclamation point. Very excited. Lafayette. That's where I first found out about the Benedict Arnold stuff that I didn't oh, know, yeah. which is why I wanted to look at his stuff. So uh, thanks, buddy. Is it uh, like the same graphic novel or he does like multiple yeah, there's like a section in the Lafayette graphic novel where he talks about Benedict Arnold specifically. Mm, got it. And like does like a different art style, you know, to like be different for him. It's very funny. But he has a bunch of them. Like, and, and his name is Nathan Hale, which is also the name of a famous spy uh, in history. So like he has one about Nathan Hale uh, and a few of them that I'm like, you yeah, know, seem pretty good. I've only read Lafayette, but uh, it's very good. It made me cry. So good job. <laughs> oh. Well, is it for children? Yeah. While we're talking about Benedict Arnold. Uh-huh. uh Capricorn. Capricorn. And so is ben, uh, Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Which just makes sense. Just makes sense. Two sides of the Capricorn, am I right? Yep. <laughs> the good and the bad. Listen, you can't uh, you can't treat a Capricorn that way. You and ex- can't take away all his money. And expect him not to commit treason. Right? <laughs> he's ambitious. That's what he is. If you treat a Capricorn nice, he's going to end up on the $100 bill. Do you know Lafayette's name? Um, uh, David Diggs. <laughs> nope. Uh, it is. It's something super nerdy. It's really long. It is really long. He has like a ton of it's, French uh, names. Marie Joseph Paul Yves Roche Gilbert Du Motier. Mm. Uh, Marquis de Lafayette. <laughs> I hate it. And as we said, he's he's born on September 6, 1757. He's a Virgo. But, um, he's born in the Chateau de uh, Chavagnac. Which is uh, 300 miles from Paris. So it's basically like the farther you get away from Paris, the more, you know, poor and like 
disconnected you are. It's the country. He's, he's from the country. He's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's really far away. Because <laughs> Paris is in the middle, like, of France, basically. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like upper middle, but it's essentially in the center. Yeah. Um. So if you're 300 miles away, it's pretty far away. Oof. And, like, probably southern France, which I hear is beautiful this time of year, but it's because there's nothing in it. <laughs> Depends on how far south. It's true. But so, so he's going to be a marquee, which is fancy, but also he's like a country bumpkin marquee. <laughs> Just because you have a title doesn't mean you're, like, cool. There's a lot of poor nobles. For sure. Cause you're, because, you know, it's all like, it's basically like being the governor of, like, Wyoming, you mm-hmm. know? It's like, I mean, you are the governor. That's cool. But it's of, like, a tiny state in the middle of nowhere that, <laughs> like... You know, does yeah. your opinion matter to the rest of us? Yeah. Less so than if you were governor of New York, mm-hmm. governor of California, you know, like big places. Yeah. So it's like less influence, less interest. Oh, I forgot to mention, I'm also basing this on a book by uh, Laura Arruccio, which is called, I think, Lafayette Revisited or something Mm. like that. All of Lafayette's books start with his name, so then when you're looking for one, it's really hard (laughs) because they all come up. Um, But hers had a cute anecdote at the beginning of it of her going to, like, um, I think she went to Versailles, Mm -hmm. and they've got, like, a statue... Of, of uh, Lafayette there. How times have changed. Um, and she remarked about it, like, something about him. And basically the French guy was like, no, we don't really like him. And she was like, what? You know, because she's American, I'm pretty sure. So mm-hmm. she was like, wait, but, like, he's great. He's, he, he did very different things in France. Yeah, and they're like, he's more of, like, your guy <laughs> than our guy, basically. Yeah. But I think because he's just so famous and, like, specifically influential uh, in, like, the time when Versailles was really important, that they're like, maybe we put him in there. Yeah, and he, you know? he was, like, involved in, like, court stuff. Yes. Uh, once he went back. And before. And, yeah, before. So, but there is really three phases to Lafayette's life that it's, like, before he comes to America, America, and then after he goes home. Uh, yeah, and, same. You know, a, <laughs> same. <laughs> I was born here, but same. <laughs> I'm from Alaska. It's not the same. I have a quote from Arruccio's book that says, In 1789, the English uh, agronomist Arthur Young described basically Lafayette's area mm-hmm. as uh, one of the worst built, or oh, the, the building, I guess, one of the worst built, dirtiest, and most stinking places I have met with. There are many streets that can, for blackness, dirt, and ill sense, only be represented by narrow channels cut in a night dung hill, so it's dark, you know? Wow. Um the contention of nauseous savers with which the air is impregnated when brisk mountain gales do not ventilate this <laughs> excrementious lanes make me envy the nerve of good people who, for what I know, may be happy in them. Whoa. Man. Did this place, like, kill your parents? <laughs> I know. He is reading this, like, area so hard when it's like... Why? (laughs) What did it do to you? And, like, this is at a time when even Paris is filthy. Right. And I specifically made that joke about Wyoming because Haley and I almost had a car crash there and died. (laughs) So I am mad at it. Always. Permanently. You know, so. Sorry to people who live in Wyoming. But, like, it did something to me. What did this do to him? (laughs) You know? Did he get attacked? Like, what's going on? It did something. Did someone threaten you? Like, why are you doing this? Are you being paid to say this? (laughs) So aggressive. So this gets dark and nasty and... Noxious. But country folk are dumb, basically, is what he's saying. So they don't know better to, like, you know, care. 
So he's like, man, to be stupid to think this is enjoyable. And I'm like, wow. Wow. You are such an a-hole. Wow. <laughs> They're like, uh, Castle Hillbilly. But it's really weird that Lafayette actually becomes Marquis because he's from like kind of a crappy branch of his family. Like he's not really that important mm-hmm. um, in the kind of hierarchy that's going on. Uh, he said he left the province only, uh, or his people left the province only to make war and played no role in court at all. So not only is he not important for his family, his family's not important for, like, France, yeah. which then makes it weird because you're like, but, like, he's a marquee, and, like, doesn't he come with all this money and, like, no. influence? Isn't he, like, really helpful to us? And it's like, I mean, that's true, though. Yeah. So it's like, how? 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 It's weird. Like, Lafayette describes himself as being born poor, which is obviously not true. He's still a marquee. But I think he's just comparing to, like, other uh, nobility. Sure. In your own group, maybe yeah. you're poor. But, you're, like, there are poor people who a, live in your marquee you're area. You're still a governor. Yeah. So, like, shut up. You still have a house, like, that your family just gets to have just because. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice house, even if that guy thought it was gross. Yeah. Um... Ruggio, I have a quote from her book that says, if not for a series of almost freakish premature deaths, he might have inherited nothing at all. Mm. Uh, Jacques Roche du Moutier is Lafayette's uncle, his dad's older brother, which is why he's kind of lesser branch because he's from the younger brother. Yeah. Uh, he died at 18 in 1734 when he was shot in the back at close range by an Austrian prisoner in Italy during the War of Polish Succession. Hmm. So he, like, took this guy prisoner, and he put him on the back of his horse, but he forgot to check to see if he had a pistol in his pocket, so the guy shot him. What an idiot. Yeah. So his uncle's pretty dumb. (laughs) I tied him up and put him behind me. It doesn't even say he tied him up. It just says he put him behind him. Oh, God. So, because he could still get to his pistol to shoot him. I've been playing. He can't be tied up good. I've been playing a lot of... uh, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you always hog tie him before you put him on the back you of your horse. To. Why is he not tied up? I mean, I don't know that he's not, but I know that he got his pistol and shot him. So yeah. he's not tied up very well. Not well enough. <laughs> and like, if he tied him up, maybe he would have been like, oh yeah, I should check to see if he has a gun to shoot me with. Right. So it's a whole thing. So his, his uncle was dumb. Edward, their dad, uh, goes on a hunt with the king and fell off his horse. And Edward apparently broke his head is the term. And so he died, too. Medical term. Uh, This is not uh, Lafayette's dad. It's, like, his uh, grandpa, I think. Um, But so, like, they just need to stop riding horses, I think. I know that's, like, the main form of transportation, so it's a problem. Like, it's like if all of your family died in car crashes. It's like you still have to use cars. But, like, maybe consider the train, you know? Maybe, I don't know. Something else? <laughs> it has to be other way. You just use a bike. What else is there? <laughs> I don't think there's anything else for them. I don't think there's, there's anything. There's no other options. I don't think they have but bikes. Maybe like carriages instead of you directly riding the horse. Just mm. like, you know, horse adjacent. <laughs> maybe horses, like you take an Uber. Horses are involved, but you're not on the <laughs> but horse. But you're not on them, which seems to be the problem. Um, and he lived for another year, Edward, uh, in agony before dying. Ugh. So that's a thing. So Edward's wife is Lafayette's grandmother, Marie Catherine de Chavagnac Lafayette, uh, has to take care of two daughters and an infant son by herself. Uh, And so they move into the uh, palace where Lafayette is going to be born. I shouldn't say palace, chateau. Chateau. Mm -hmm. It's Um, just a house. (laughs) It's just a house. Uh, No, that'd be maison, which is then mansion. 
uh, basically spelling, Ugh. which is funny because it's just another example of the French have a word for something very basic and we make it the most fancy thing possible. Yep. Oh, they say maison for house? Mansion. Mansion. Big, big, beautiful house. Big house. <laughs> big. Big. And this is, I, I assume a lot of that is from, like, us inheriting words, you know, specifically from, like, England. But I wonder how many of those are from America, too, of, like, us hearing French words and being like, ooh, that sounds like a fancy thing. <laughs> I don't know. Like post thing. I have no idea. I mean, but. I'm sure it's you it's easy to find out. Yeah, I'm sure if I looked at it. But uh, but yeah. a very interesting. Interesting to idea. think. Um so people would visit from other provinces, like come and seek advice, you know, or from like around the province, like you do. You know, like if you've ever seen um like Robin Hood, people come and like talk to him while he sits on his throne, it's like, help me, and he's like, No. Uh it's basically that. Wow. <laughs> you know? Um, not Lafayette yet, because he's not born yet. So it's like his dad. Someone threw a goat at the wall, and now the goat doesn't work. <laughs> Pay me. Yeah, he, it's like you're basically court. Yeah. Which sucks. I don't I wouldn't want to. Just because it's, like, so boring. Everybody's stuff is so dumb. <laughs> it's like, this isn't fun. You yeah. know, I want to be a judge for, like, crimes or, like, dramatic things, you is know? Is throwing a goat at a wall <laughs> to break the goat not a crime? <laughs> I don't know. I just see the laws. And you have to look at all the laws, boo. I mean, you don't. You could just make them up. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Lafayette men uh, tend to marry up, mm-hmm. marry richer, basically. Um, better connected wives than they have in their family. Yeah. Uh, and that's what his dad did, too. <laughs> uh, he marries, you know, like, a, you know, fancy lady who's got lots of money because, I don't know, he's, like, suave and he has a marquee. So, mm-hmm. like, you know. Because a lot of it's, like, there are rich people who don't have titles, uh, who are, like, well-connected, but they don't have that, like, stamp of approval or, like, power yeah. and land. And then there are poor people with land uh, who don't have the money for it and never have been to court. And, and so those it. people are the perfect match. Perfect business <laughs> uh, partnership. Yep. Yes, businessmen. All marriage or business. Uh, All good ones, anyway. <laughs> that's right. So his mom doesn't have a ton of money either um, because she's a woman, uh, because it's all for her older brothers, and he's using it for, like, his dumb hobbies, right? Sure. Um, and they used to live in Paris, but now she's moved out into the middle of nowhere. I bet she loves that. I know. Um, but she's, I guess, pretty chill about it. I think maybe she's happy to, like, you know, you're, it's like when you move, you're in, like, a new place. She's got this, like, nice home to take care of, and, like, her husband's probably cute. So it's like, okay. Um, she wasn't probably doing a lot in Paris besides just, you know, partying and stuff. So it's like, cool. Yeah, gosh, what a life. <laughs> Ew. Who would want to go to Ew. Parisian parties? Who gross. would want to party in Paris? <laughs> gross. The height of luxury. So Roche Gobert is Lafayette's dad. Uh, he gets a colonel position out of this marriage. So oh. he gets a, like, military title because oh. presumably her family's connected to the military. Marriage is wild, man. <laughs> it is in the past. She was like, whoa, now I'm going to be a colonel because I got married? <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. I did, I was doing a, like, Sims game where I was like, I'm going to do one where I, like, 
am really poor and like just try to work my way up the ladders just like see how hard it is like like kind of real lifestyle mm. and like gave a single person like a small child so that it's like they're going to cost money and that's going to be a lot of effort um but then like they like started you know they met somebody and like liked them and so they got married and then they got so much money because like their friends gave them a bunch of gifts that were worth like thousands of smallies and it ruined my whole game <laughs> so i was like okay never mind they're gonna be aromantic and they never get married yeah because <laughs> i wanted to actually be on their own merit never mind because marriage just gives you so much money I apparently just, i just met a game it's so easy to just like go into the the money grab house sure. and just be like hey girl oh yeah yeah, you just immediately go to the richest person and romance them, and then you kill them and you take their house. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, anyway. You kill them? I mean, it depends. I just move them into, like, a trailer. <laughs> you just say, see ya. But that doesn't last very long, his colonelship, because he dies in the Seven Years' War, which mm-hmm. in America is known as the French and Indian War, which is confusing, because that sounds like the French and the Indians are fighting. And they are, but they're not. <laughs> Because different tribes went on both sides. But it's basically France and England are fighting just in the United States location. Mm-hmm. Which is not currently the United States, but in the American colonies, that's where they're fighting. That's where they're doing it. And they call it French and Indian War because the French and the Indian, like, a, more tribes went with the French because they were more hands-off because they always are. Mm-hmm. And so they were mostly fighting French and Native people with less Native people. Um, but he died in that war because it was also happening in Europe at the same time. Uh, this is like the precursor, basically, to like world wars. It's like now we have colonies, so we can fight at home and abroad. Yeah, it's happening everywhere, <laughs> and it's why later when we do world wars, it's like it happens over the whole world because Europe has just got their finger in every pot. Thanks, Europe. Thanks. But his father dies in the Seven Years' War because he gets hit in the head with a cannonball. Oh, no. In the Battle of Minden in Germany. Oh, no. Which, like, what a good shot. Like, I feel very bad for him. But but what a shot. But also, it's very impressive. Well, cannons are not like precise aiming yeah. <laughs> weapons. Right. And it just reminds me when I did that um, Benedict Arnold episodes, uh, there's like the one where he goes to Quebec, right? And like a guy does get his head blown off of the cannonball, but he like peeks over a wall yeah. that they have it like trained at. <laughs> yeah. That I'm like, what? They're just on an open battlefield in Minden. Mm-hmm. And then they just like sniped him with a cannonball. God. Boom, headshot. <laughs> like, what? imagine shooting a bowling ball uh, with firepower at a watermelon. Yeah. And just nailing it. And just nailing it. So it's like, I feel bad for him. Because Lafayette at this point is like a little a tiny baby. He's like basic, I think he's like two or four or something. Um, so I feel bad for him, but like, impressive. <laughs> And his head exploded. Oh, yeah. He's two years old. <laughs> and now that little tiny baby is the Marquis de Lafayette because of confusing circumstances. Good job, boy. Great job. You Way to live. It. You did it. All we need is for you to live. Um, and technically his mom and his grandmother are in charge, right, because, like, he's a baby. So they can't be like, what do you want to do <laughs> for the budget? What do you want? It's like, no. But, uh... He's going to be in charge. And so they got to train him to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I guess all the male family members of his constantly die, uh, it's at his home, it's his grandmother, his mother. I think he has a couple, um, like, aunts uh, there as well. 
and like nieces mm-hmm. or, or not nieces but cousins um and they're all female he's protected by good sense and estrogen <laughs> it is just a big yeah estrogen hug all around him <laughs> no cannonballs for uh, you he grows baby. up with no men <laughs> whatsoever it's okay baby so uh you know good boy good boy um and his grandma writes the king, uh, who at this moment is Louis fifteen, and she says, "We need money because <laughs> all every man in our family's dead." And um, the Roche Gobert himself had spent a bunch of money on military campaigns, like mm-hmm. a bunch of their personal funds, like helping. Yeah. So she's like, "Hey, you owe us. We some were money helping the crown, uh... and now not only is our marquis dead, but like." Give me, gimme, mm-hmm. refund, and uh, refund. he also <laughs> he also didn't write a will like an idiot. You have to write a will, okay? Especially if you're a marquee, <laughs> you, you have, own land and property. You have things. If to you lose. have assets, you have to write a will. I learned yesterday. My dad doesn't have a will. I'm it's like so infuriating. I as went someone, off on him. As someone who used to work in a probate office, it's so infuriating. Just please, <laughs> please, if you have assets, do it. I, it's so in most states. I mean, look it up for your state, obviously, mm-hmm. if you're in America, and if you're other places, look it up there. But in most states, you don't even have to go to a lawyer. You literally just write it on any piece of paper you want. Yeah, you don't even need witnesses. Okay, and even if your state doesn't do that, just do that anyway. And then take it to a lawyer, like, and you'll have it all ready to go. I uh, and I hear this all the time because I'm friends with Alexis. <laughs> yep. So that is exactly what my dad heard in the middle of a dog park when he <laughs> when he told me that he didn't have a will. I'm like, oh, you have to. You could just be a piece of paper. You don't even need a lawyer. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because I heard that from my professor Bruce, yeah. <laughs> who was just yelling. He was he was like guilting all of us and having a will. I already have one because I have assets that yeah. I inherited. But uh, you gotta please. You gotta, or at least like look up where they're gonna go if you don't write a will and make sure you're cool with that mm-hmm. because some you might not be. <laughs> gotta you, look. You might not be, and you know things might change. So it's best just to do it. Yeah, make sure it's good. But anyway, he doesn't have a will. He's a marquee, and he didn't write a will. So um, his wife's dowry. Reverts back to her family. Oh, come so now on. they don't have money. Oh, come like on. Like, they no, don't have the money that he spent. And then also, they don't have this, like, pocket of money because he didn't write down that it goes to his wife. Because that's... he owns the dowry because he's the man. Oh, that's so... I hate that. Yeah. So it just diverts back <laughs> to the man and her family. And then it's like, what was the point? I hate that. <laughs> Please write a will. <laughs> like... I, I don't know. It feels like such common sense. Like, of course, it should go to either his son or his wife. But no. No. Right. Even to his son. He has a son. He has a successor who has his title. But because he's like a baby. then they're like, no. We take it back. There's probably a clause. <laughs> like, if you don't write it in your will, we're going to take it back. And it's like, their marriage isn't over. He died. Like, it's not like he did something. They didn't get a divorce. Like, the point of the dowry is, like, insurance. And it's like, excuse me. He got hit by a cannon. It's not my fault. Uh, But so the king gives them some money. But, you know, it's like, I don't really want The crown doesn't like giving out money. Especially to, like, weird marquee in the middle of the swamp or whatever. (laughs) Come on. I don't care. Swamp key. Whatever. No money for you. He shouldn't have got hit by a cannonball. Maybe you should have thought of that for getting hit The king says, from the comfort of his mansion where he'd never leave to That's, go into war. Uh, going to be a reoccurring theme <laughs> with the French monarchy for a bit. Yeah. 
Um, but luckily for the Lafayettes, another family member has died, so they're going to get Yay. some more money. Yay! In 1761, his mother's brother dies, and Lafayette inherits his yearly income, which is 120,000 livres yearly. Sounds like a lot. Which is $2 million today. A, a year. A year? Just to be alive. What? Yes. That's Where? His inherited income because her family's better connected, right? So uh-huh. like that was the whole thing. Marry her because her family's rich. And I guess he her brother doesn't have any kids. Wow. So just cha-ching for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, just swimming. I tried to look up how he died, mm-hmm. the brother. Uh, there's no information. Yeah. Mysterious <laughs> it's death. It's a mystery death. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He just disappeared just one right day. Just right when we needed money, he's gone. <laughs> I, I love the idea of his entire, like, family of women just, like, surrounded him and was like, listen. Yeah. <laughs> you're not getting out of here, live. Listen. listen, you're not getting out of here. Bye. Um, we're not accusing them of anything, but no. they're all dead, so who cares? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> uh, are they going to sue us So then his, his mom moves to Paris because now they have money. Mm-hmm. So she's like, well, we need to start making you some connections to get you a good marriage to, like, secure, lock this down. Right? Mom Make this gets good. it. Mom is, I mean, she's from Paris. She's studious. She knows what's up. So she's like, I'm going to go earn you some good favor while you grow up here. And then when you come here, everybody will be ready for you. And I'll have, like, chosen your wife probably already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think she's also very depressed yeah. about her husband dying and her brother dying and just everybody's dead. And, uh, you know, it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, I'm going to go home and also do some work for you. Uh, so he stays with his grandmother to take care of him in the province. Um, but something is happening in his province that's oh, very exciting. Oh. In the Marjorie Mountains of south central France between 764 and 1767. Do you know what it is? Is it the beast? It is. La Bête. La Bête de Javadon. And Lafayette, it's in his, like, area <gasps> when it's happening. What? And he wants to take it down. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. But he's eight years old. So his grandmother's like, no. He's a perfect bite-sized <laughs> snack. Tiny baby. Or a beast. He kind of pulls out his practice sword and is like, I'm going to get the beast. I'm going to get the beast. And his grandma's like, no. <laughs> no, you ain't. You certainly are not. Mm-mm. And then, you know, the attacks just, like, stop happening. So they're like, oh, good. I was um, going to say, when you were like, south of France is really nice, I'm like, mm, so it's like, <laughs> is it? Rocky, nasty, <laughs> werewolf infested. It is, and that's where he lives. <laughs> that's where he lives. But, like, this kind of, like, bravado of, like, I want to go fix the problem. I'm strong and I want to fight is, like, very much, like, his M.O. in general. It just in like life. It's kind of like the whole thing of every male in his family. It is. Yeah. It's a, like, <laughs> it's clearly a dominant trait in his DNA that they want to run headfirst into war and danger and just, you know. That's why there's only women left. Do your best, which isn't <laughs> great. Um Shocking that Lafayette lives through the war. Shocking. He um, <laughs> broke Spoiler the alert. curse. I mean, he lives yeah. longer. He lives through the war. Uh, he I did know. Um, and like I said, works better for some than others. Yeah. Um, I have a quote 
Um, it's too long for me to read the whole thing. I'll read this part. It says, Males of the Lafayette family enjoyed a reputation for courage and chivalry and were noted for their contempt for danger. Um, one of their early ancestors, Marshal of France, um, had been a companion at arms to Joan of Arc oh. uh, during the Siege of Orléans. And uh, another one of his ancestors apparently was uh, acquired the crown of thorns during the Sixth Crusade. So they're like out doing stuff. Well, He's got legacy. Yeah. Right. And so to him, this is like, I need to live up to all of these people and my family. They've got like paintings and hallways of like, look at all these amazing people who are from your family. And he's like, I want to be one of these people up here. Right. Including his dad up there for like his battle in Minden. It's like, yeah. I mean, honestly... He's probably like, I want a hero's death. I want to die in the war. Yeah. You know, because, like, that's kind of the thing. And also, like, his ancestors on the other side are incredibly notable as well, that they, like, work directly for the king and the Black Musketeers. They're in his personal guard. Like, everybody's very prestigious. High bar, despite being sad place. (laughs) (laughs) So you're like, wow. Very impressive. Yeah, it's a lot. And that's how they got their title, right? Is Like, you don't just have a title. You yeah. get one because you're doing something. So they got one because his ancestors be doing stuff. But, like, you're, you could have one ancestor a thousand years ago who did something and then For the sure. rest of your family does nothing. His yeah. family sounds like they're just doing it all they're the time. They're doing it. And, like, specifically it's war-based. Like, it's specifically fighting. Mm-hmm. Because you could get, you know, a marquee or whatever. You could be gifted it just because someone likes you. You know, it doesn't have to be like you did anything really cool. Right. Uh, you could just luck into it, kind of. But not his family. <laughs> they are the fighting Frenchmen. Yeah, they are. And so he's like, I'm going to be a war hero. <laughs> like, his whole, I'm sure his whole gosh dang life. I'm going to um, be a battle boy. He doesn't really see his mom anymore because, like I said, you know, she moved to Paris. She's really sad that his dad died, but he sounds like maybe for the best. Uh, She doesn't seem like she's, like, you know, in a place to really raise him well. And he's got his grandmother Mm -hmm. and her two daughters, his aunts. Uh, One of them's a widow and the other one never married, so literally no men, just vibes. Yeah, Um, And then he's got a female cousin who's, like, a little older than him. So he's just, like, tiny baby boy that they're all just <laughs> doting upon <laughs> yes. and they just love him. Yes, baby um, boy. Although, I, and I wonder how much of him is like, but I want to, you got to teach me a fight and they're like, we don't really know how. <laughs> no, it's dangerous. No. You can't. And he's like, Ugh. um, And that's why uh, Lafayette wasn't eaten by a wolf at the <laughs> age of right. like eight. They're like street smarts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's probably, like, compared to most nobles, like, much more personally taken care of because he's, like, entirely yeah. surrounded by women taking care of him mm-hmm. who are all, like, most of them are adults. But then, like, he has like, his one cousin who's, like, sort so, you know, slightly older than him. So it's, like, the two of them they're taking care of. But obviously they're going to focus on him because he's the one, like, the family legacy is on. So, like, it's all you, kid. You're the only one we have left. You're the prize show pony. Uh, his grandma makes, like, some good financial moves for him. She educates him and makes sure he has a lot of family pride by telling him all those heroic stories. So he's just ready. Um, 
And, like, the Beast of Javadan, obviously, he doesn't do anything with that because mm-hmm. he's a child. Um, but it leads to a lot of tourism in the area because yeah, people sure. want to see the locations. They want to hear the stories. Like, that's really interesting because, it, you know, it was a international story. People mm-hmm. were very interested. And especially people all over France, right, were trying to get there to be like, I'm going to take it down. So, like, and some of them, I'm sure, are like, I don't think it's gone. So I still want to track yeah. and I want to be here. And other people are just like, show me where the child was eaten, you know. <laughs> I wish to see it. So it's all. Thing. And, and so suddenly his like tiny weird province is like getting a lot of money from that too, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. You know, it's like oh tourism. And uh, in case you haven't, uh, you couldn't tell, we have episodes on the beast. We do. Haley did an episode on the beast of John two or just one. I forget. I think it was two. Okay. Mm, I don't remember. I don't remember. But uh, you should you just Google beast of Javadan and our podcast. It'll come up. If you don't know how to spell it, just. Generally, type letters that sound like Java Dom, <laughs> and it'll probably come up. That's, I promise. That's French for you. Or La Bête. Yeah, just Beast. Beast. Wolf. Beast, France. It'll come up. Yeah, it'll come up. <laughs> um, but so Lafayette joins his mother in Paris in 1767 when he's 10. Um, so he's still. He's an, little. Old, he's an old man now. <laughs> he's still little for us, but he is, like, old enough to, like, go to, like, kind of finishing school, basically. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, we're going to get you in school. He's going to be in, you know, like, he's basically, like, going to be in middle school now. Yeah. And teach you the ways because he's going to have to go to court now. And he's never been to Paris and he's never been to court. Mm. So it's really weird and he doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. Um. He says he separated with the most chagrin from a grandmother, two aunts, and a cousin, whom I adored. Yes. So he's pretty bummed because he just wants to hang out with all the ladies and have a good time, mm-hmm. which is completely fair. Completely fair. But you got to move on, my dude. Um, he's weirded out when he gets to Paris because he's used to everybody in town, like, kind of tipping their hat or bowing a little, you know, like, respectfully <laughs> to him. Yeah. And nobody's doing that because they don't know who he is. And even if they did, they wouldn't care. Must be rough. So he, it's. I think it's just more like culture shock that it's like this is very different from where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like, hmm, weird. And I'm like, yeah, they don't know who you are, and they don't care. <laughs> Nobody. You're what a marquee Especially in Paris. Great. Whatever. Who cares? Um, at home, he'd been taught stuff about military mostly because that's what he's interested in, and that's what his family's noble for. Um, but now that he's in parents. Parents. Now that he's in Paris, he needs uh, like more intellectual education, mm-hmm. right? They want him to be smart. They want him to be able to good conversationalist. Go um, to salons. Exactly. So it's like the complete opposite because military, you know, is so much more kind of either exciting stories or like strategy. So like yeah. it's really like logical and history based, and this is much more like uh, cultural and philosophical, intellectual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, this is weird. Not my favorite. And after, uh, you know, England gave them the smackdown in the Seven Years' War, people were like, maybe we should choose commanders who are, like, good instead of, like, (laughs) descended from soldiers. What a weird concept. What if we picked people who are, like, good at war, specifically? And that's unfortunate for him because they're not in any wars right now, which is shocking. Yeah. Uh, The French. It's kind of shocking. But they aren't. Um, So... His whole thing is that he wants to be in the military and be a hero. Mm-hmm. And now not only are they like, well, you probably won't get to be because you, you have no evidence. It, it's like you have no job experience, but also there are no jobs to get experience. So probably not. I feel that. <laughs> it's big mood. Yeah. Even though you have a lot of money and are like pretty qualified and like your family's done this forever. No. 
No. Um, he reminds me of the line in Hamilton where he says, God, I wish there was a war. Then we could prove that we're worth more than anyone bargained for. That he's like, man, I wish we were doing war. <laughs> I just want a war. It's just like, don't wish for people to have wars. But I understand. Yeah. Um, but he also can't be a tradesman or a clergyman or anything because he's the only man. Yeah. So they're like, no, no, we're going to need you to still do this, you know. And he just kind of has to cross his fingers and hope that maybe he can do something in the military. Uh, he gets enrolled in the Collège du Plessis, uh, which has existed since 1322. Wow. Prestige. Wow. Um, and he likes school. Uh, he, they say he's a natural leader with the other boys, which is not surprising. He's a Virgo. He's a Virgo. Um, uh. But he tries to rebel against some of the school's rules for punishing his friend unfairly. Yeah. Um, and then he his disciples, as he calls them, <laughs> uh, aren't into it. They're like, we don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, he's not over the military, though. He keeps talking about how badly he wants a uniform. He just wants to be in the military. And so, uh, he gets one because his great-grandfather gets him into the Black Musketeers, Mm. which is, uh, the King's Guard. But once he's in there, he's like, they don't really do anything. This is all, like, for show. Yeah. So, like, he has a uniform and he, like, rides a horse and, like... (sighs) You know, but it's like they they literally just ride around the palace and like look cool. And then they ask the king what he wants them to do. Yeah. And then they run drills and that's it. It's kind of like war internship. Yeah, because like you're the thing is their guard. It's like the guards at Buckingham Palace. It's like, what are they for? They're set dressing. They're not they're not doing anything. They're not going to fight anyone like, you know. Yet. (laughs) Yet. They haven't been activated yet. You gotta know the right words. Um, no peasants are storming Versailles. It's right. Nothing's happening yet. And it's like even if they were, these are not the guys who are gonna take care of it. Right. Like these, they're not what they're for. They're just for show. They're so that when people come visit, he's like, look at my guard, and they do their cute like little horse tricks, and they're like, wow, pretty. They're so, reindeer games. Yeah, exactly. Um, he gets him out of class, though, so he doesn't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> he gets to go do this. He gets to go practice riding horse and stuff. Um, he did really well in school. He won a prize for Latin rhetoric, but he's a big achiever boy, so he's upset that he didn't win, like, a fancy school-wide prize, and I'm like, Virgo. Virgo. <laughs> Um, his mother dies, and people say from a broken heart from her husband, and then her took her a while. Though. And then his grandfather dies over a broken heart of his her mother, <laughs> his mother dying. So just dominoes, um, upsetting. So he's an orphan now, but he's super wealthy, like Batman. Yeah, <laughs> he's an orphan, but just like Batman, just like Batman. But with less angst. He seems pretty okay. He doesn't seem as obsessed with it. Yeah. I think just because he had all that, like, nurturing love around him growing up, he's still like, oh, people care about me. And, yeah. like, they're still alive, all of those ones. It isn't so just my cool. parents and a butler. There's a larger family who And then me. his great-grandfather dies, and he gets all his money, too. Oh, my God. Because everybody just be dying. It's a, his great-grandfather outlived, like, all of his grandsons. Yeah. Wow. So that's why it just goes straight to him, because he's the only one left. Thanks, Granddad. Just the only conduit for all. He's like a funnel. Like, just drop the money in here, all to me. The buck stops here, fellas. Right. But because he hasn't, like, had all this money growing up and lived in super fancy land his whole life, he's not, like, an asshole about it. Like, he's still pretty humble dude. And, and, like, probably doesn't really have a concept of how much money it is. Because, like I said, all he cares about is being in the military. He doesn't care. 
Uh, he's not buying fancy stuff except for, like, because he has to. Because mm-hmm. he had to fit in. Um, and, like, going to court, it's like he goes to court because he has to. Yeah. He doesn't want to. Is there war at court? No. Not in the fun way. Can I have a war? <laughs> can I start a war in the court right can, now? Can has war? <laughs> so he's making as much money as high-ranking nobles in Paris and way more than a country marquee would ever make mm-hmm. now. So people are paying more attention to him because now they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, you got all that cash money over here. Uh, and since he's set financially, he needs to marry for prestige and not money. So he's actually the reverse mm-hmm. of his uh, forefathers who all married, like, rich ladies. Yeah. Now he's the rich lady. And he <laughs> needs to marry someone with, like, fancy titles. Titles. Yes. I, uh, I better descended, title than mine. Descended from a long line of fancy ladies. <laughs> and now I am the fancy lady. Now I am the fancy <laughs> lady. And uh, he succeeds because he finds a family who uh, wants wealth and not prestige specifically because they have so many daughters, like <laughs> only daughters and just a ton. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we need cash money for those dowries and you're going to help us with that, Yeah, which is a brilliant idea. And they've lived at court for forever. Mm-hmm. Like the like his father-in-law is like basically friends with the king. Oh. So it's a good time for him. Good match. Great idea. Um. But the Duchess, who's going to be his mother-in-law, is very against it. She does not like Lafayette. I'm sure she wants, like, a better-trained, fancier boy Mm -hmm. than this country dork. And she thinks they can do much better. Oh, yeah? So the Duke and Duchess fight about it so hard that they live in separate houses for months. Because they just cannot. (laughs) Royal problems. Yes. Uh, But they finally decide that they're going to let him marry um, their oldest daughter, I believe, Adrian. Um, but they say we're going to defer it for two years, uh, and they're not going to tell their daughter <laughs> that they're giving her away to him, oh. which is weird. Um, why Why not? But he moves in with their family um, so that they can, like, train him and watch him, you know, make sure he's good. Uh, and like I said, they only have daughters, so uh, all of his their daughters love him. Like, they're, none of them are like—it doesn't seem like any of them are specifically, like, very romantically interested in him. They're just like, now we have a brother to, like, mess with. Yes. And so they like him a lot. And he's he's used to that environment. He's constantly surrounded by women, so he's just like, great. <laughs> Yay. I love being here. Um, but they keep him far away from— you know, their daughter during sleeping time. He's, like, in a different wing of the house. Like, sure. stay out of here. Makes sense. Which is hilarious to me because, like I said, they didn't even tell her that they're getting married. So he's just sneaking me like, I'm your husband. <laughs> She's like, you're not. Um, <laughs> just picturing, like, just, I don't I don't know. When he was a child, I was picturing, like, a baby's body with a grown-up David Diggs face <laughs> on it. Yeah. And I guess he's older now, so it's a little better. He's, like, 12 probably. Oh, yeah. Or, like, maybe a teenager. Um, Keep that 12-year-old boy out of her bedroom. (laughs) I know. Like, I'm like, I don't think he cares. Um, But so he moves to a school in Versailles. That's how you get there. And um, they expect him to be, like, elegant because he's rich and a marquee. And he's, like, going to be engaged to this fancy family. Yeah. But, you know, he's, like, from the woods. So he's not. (laughs) I'm a wood boy. Um, And he's at school right now with the future uh, king's brother. So like a, a few a prince basically. Mm-hmm. So it's a big it's a big deal. Um, people describe him at court as cold and lifeless. Oh, <laughs> but it's just because he hates being there. Yeah, like he seems like a very kind of like gregarious, you know, happy kind of go lucky guy. Yeah, but it just 
you know, sucks out his soul. It's like when you, you know, work at fast food and you just hate everything about being there. And people see you and they're like, wow, you seem like an unhappy person. And it's like, just because I'm here. This is... Location, location, location. I have to do this. Yeah. So he just, like, hates being there in general. Versailles is his fast food. Yeah. Which is, you know... <laughs> he wants to be at war. This is boring yeah. and dumb. And so... uh He's in a play that they put on for court that, like, makes fun of nobility, and the nobility don't like it. <laughs> That's so... Who, who's putting on the play? I don't know. They, it, it's your court. Why don't you just yeah. stop it? Why do you say no? Because I'm like, of course, I, I assume they would like it. You know, just like, yeah. ha-ha, aren't we funny? Right. Oh, look at how we laugh at ourselves. No. I think maybe they didn't like that he was in it, because he's not a player. Mm. He's a marquee. Yeah. With a lot of money. So they're like, why are you acting? And also, why are you being mean to us? Yeah. Like, that doesn't feel good. When the when the low people make fun of you, you're like, ha, ha, ha. But, like, ha, what is he doing? Idiots. He shouldn't be making fun of you. He is you. <laughs> he, he is you. But he doesn't think so. Um, and then a Belgian at court describes him saying he danced without grace and sat badly on his horse. Oh, uh, rude. In, in the graphic novel uh, by Nathan Hale, they say he looks like a goose when he rides a horse. <laughs> I don't know what that means. What does that mean? I don't know. What is he doing he on like that horse? Waddles. What is he doing on the horse? I have no idea. But basically, he's not good at it. And not even not good. They just he rides a horse ugly. They just think he looks bad. <laughs> but like, I'm sure he's plenty good at it. So his father-in-law gets him a position in the uh, king's brother's entourage, mm-hmm. uh, and he hates it because, <laughs> you know, once again, it's not doing anything he wants to do. And he hates it so much that they go to a mask ball, um, and he insults his boss, basically, to his face um, yeah. to get out of it. And then after the ball, his boss goes up to him and says, do you know who you said that to, basically? <laughs> yeah. And he says, yes, the man in front of me. Like, he did, he did it intentionally, yeah. and he is owning to it. And so he gets fired, of course. Yeah. But that's fine. He didn't want to do it, so <laughs> he doesn't care. He wanted to get fired. He's a little rascal. Um, so he and his in-laws agree that he sh- needs to be in the military, obviously. That's all he wants to <laughs> we got to get like, him out of here. Oh, my gosh, here. you need to be trained and, like, controlled in some way. And so they get him a spot in the—I uh, don't know how to say this. It's a very French-looking word, but I've never heard it pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, the Noi uh, Dragoon, because that's, like, the first word is, like, his family's last name— or, like, his in-law's last name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get him basically into their squadron. <laughs> And it's like, here you go. Seems like a You're simple solution. In the military. I don't know why we didn't do this sooner. Uh, so he's a lieutenant, and he goes to train in Metz, which is on the border with Germany. And he comes back um, as a commander. He's got his own company, Ooh. you know? So he's feeling pretty good. Ooh. Um, and he learns when he's there rumblings about the American Revolution from mm. the Comte de Broglie, um, mm. who's a former ambassador to Poland. Uh, so he's pretty high-ranking, and he's a comte, you know? Yeah. Um, comte de uh, place Broglie. that doesn't exist anymore. Fancy. Yeah. So Broglie is uh, part of Louis XV's uh, secret ministry, oh. which oh. Uh, Aruccio, who wrote the book I read, described uh, the purpose of as maintaining a covert correspondence with the monarch and implementing private policies that the French court deemed too controversial or embarrassing to acknowledge in public. Yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> They're like, don't tell him we're doing this. Yeah. So he's in the secret police. 
uh, basically. Honestly, a little you, less dramatic. If but. Uh, if you think like if you don't think every monarchy or rulership has some kind of secret intelligence 100%. police, um, it's kind of naive. Yeah, and they all do. And mostly, honestly, you know, it's like the CIA. It's more about. Who are they policing? It's upsetting when they're policing their own people a lot, but a lot of it's just like being a spy. Yeah. And that's fine. Everybody spies because you have to. Everybody spies. If they're spying and you're not spying, then you're just a loser. Everybody <laughs> spies. All the time. It's true. <laughs> um, but so Broglie is trying to come up with a plan to defeat the English since uh, 1756. Which is it's after hobby, the Seven yeah. Years' War. So just in his spare time, he just thinks about how can we invade England and take them over. Same. Which I'm sure yeah. most French people. <laughs> it's Is it not a casual? It's a collective idea. National hobby. <laughs> yeah. How to get rid of the English. How do we do it? For good. Yeah. yeah. I know it's been 700 years <laughs> since we did it last time, but I think we should do it again. I think we're up for another try. We could do it. Um, so when he hears about American colonists rebelling, he is so excited because he's like, this is how we do it because we're going to wreck them in America and then we can just swoop in there while they're weak already, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't the worst idea. Cut off Clearly one of their... they don't do that, but there's <laughs> yeah. other reasons why that doesn't work. Um, so Broglie's really excited also because he thinks that George Washington is a loser and like <laughs> very replaceable. Which one of those might be correct, but one of them is very wrong. Yeah. But he thinks he is because he just seems like a kind of weak, ineffectual leader. He does seem like that. He does. And so he thinks, if I can get to America, I can basically bully him out of the way and then I can be in charge in America. Mm, I wonder how that goes. (laughs) I wonder how it goes. wonder how that works out for you. And most people don't like Broglie. Um, <laughs> Not a good start. Because he's really conniving, like I said. And it's, like, so obvious to everyone. He's got that Slytherin ambitious fire in his eyes, and everybody can see it. It's like his name is, like, Wormtongue or Wormtail uh-huh. or something. It's like, are you a bad guy, maybe? Yeah. Mm. But Lafayette likes him because mm. he's really interested in Lafayette because he wants to use him for his own gain. Once <laughs> yeah. he hears he has a bunch of money and he wants to be in a fight. So then he's like, have you heard of the American rebelling in the colonies? Um, he's like, have I? Yeah. No, tell me. <laughs> oh, my God. He hasn't at that point? No, he hasn't. So Broglie's the first one who tells him. So he's oh. like, ooh, tell me more. What's going on? Because all I want to do is stab somebody or shoot him. Tell me more. And it to be, like, sanctioned by the government. So can <laughs> can I go there? Um, and he introduces Lafayette because he's really well connected, obviously. He's, like, directly, you know, in the secret ministry for the king. So uh, he introduces Lafayette to a bunch of people and, like, new ideas and takes him to, like, fancy parties and stuff, you know. Because he's basically trying to schmooze him so that he can hopefully hitch a ride with him to America. Mm-hmm. Um and this is good for Lafayette because he has a hard time making these connections. He doesn't like these, you know, events and, like, it's, it's stressful and annoying. But he's yeah. like, if I have Broglie there, I have, like, a friend who understands, like, what I want to do in my mission and is trying to help me get there. Sure. Um, so Lafayette, uh, he also helps him join the Freemasons. Um, of course. Which, at, at, you know, is, like, all esoteric and weird and stuff. But it's, like, a lot of people are Freemasons at the time, including Americans. It's true. And, like, most founding fathers are Freemasons. Um, and uh, is described by historian Margaret C. Jacob as, like, the goal at the time of Freemasons was stability under a strong constitutional monarch. So they've shifted from being kind of, like, weird esoteric stuff to, like, basically being an underground, like, political group to try to 
have more say in what's going on. So in France, their, like, main goal is a constitutional monarchy. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a lot of these ideas for him are coming up for, like, government stuff. So he's like, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Joining him there. He also gets introduced to Prince William Henry, the Duke of Gloucester and Edinburgh, um, who's very controversial in England. You might be like, oh, sound like English places. And they are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Why is he talking Lafayette in France? Well, uh, he's King George III's brother. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And he secretly made married uh, Maria Walpole, who's the niece of Horace Walpole, oh. who's an author and a politician, oh. and it scandalized their entire family, right? Because he yeah. shouldn't be marrying a politician's kid. That's not good. Yeah. That's weird. That's weird. That's not a princess or whatever. Um, and he did it in secret, obviously. Basically a commoner. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, so they don't like that, obviously. And then since basically he's already on the outs, he's like, well, then I'm just going to say whatever I want. Eh? And so <laughs> Gloucester uh, joins a small group of parliament members who think that King George is being too harsh on the American colonies. Oh, is he being a meanie? Which is bad because that's lending, like, royal favor to the idea that American colonies should be, like, treated better. And that they're right. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is not great for George. Ah. So then, you know, the French are like, you want to come over and have dinner? <laughs> we can hang out. Want to hang out? So Broglie introduces Lafayette to Gloucester, um, who explains to him in great detail, like, the situation in the American colonies, because he knows a lot better because he's actually in England and, like, connected to the government. Mm -hmm. So he's telling him, like, exactly what's going on, the specifics of it, and uh, Lafayette later said he listened with ardent curiosity and pressed the Duke with questions, that he's like, I really want to know what's going on, and I'm paying a lot of attention. He's a hound who has the scent. He's like, this war? Yeah. He said he was so impassioned he had conceived of the idea of going to America before he had left the table. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is what I'm going to do. This is the way. This is the way. And Broglie's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. This is all I want. Yeah. Um, so Lafayette sees that uh, conflict brewing not only as a way to be in the military, which is exciting to be a hero, to like help people, but specifically to avenge his father because of the Seven Years' War. So mm-hmm. he's not only excited that it's like a war happening that he could be involved in, and that clearly the French are kind of flirting with being involved in, but also that it's against the English. Yeah. So he's like, yes. It's personal. This is what I want. Because I want to go and speci- like he kind of like specifically, he knows the guy who like killed killed his dad. Whoa. Like, he know not the, like, probably the soldier, but he knows the, like, general who, like, got his dad killed. And he's like, I want to see that guy. That's wild. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> it's so aggressive. Imagine, like, growing up knowing who did it. Who killed your father. And it was, like, legal. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to kill that guy. <laughs> so it's a whole thing. Whoa. Yep. <laughs> That's so badass. <laughs> So he's like, I need to do this. Like, this is the most important thing I could possibly do in my entire life. Do you know the general's name? Uh, I don't remember right now, but I'll tell you when, you know, we get it there. becomes important. Um, he is, like, desperate to prove himself, too, just in, like, you know, the thing that his family's famous for. He's like, I want to prove that I'm good at, like, the thing we're supposed to be good at. I don't care about being good at all this other stupid stuff. He has a destiny. I I have a mission. You don't understand. <laughs> I'm a Virgo. <laughs> so true. All this is nonsense. I want to be good at what I want to be good at. Yeah. Um... And he wants to be judged on what he thinks he's going to be good at, right? He doesn't want to be judged on all the stuff that he hates doing, yeah. which is fair. 
Um, he's also got a time limit on his time in the military in France. Yeah. Because, like I said earlier, they were like, what if we did, like, merit instead of, like, you're connected with your family? Which yeah. is literally how he got his position. And uh, the Comte de Saint-Germain, who's now the minister of war in France, specifically is making that happen. Mm-hmm. Because he was from a poor family and, like, he's frustrated that... You know, they he thinks they're losing specifically because of that. He's like, we shouldn't just be handing out command to people who don't know how to do it. Yeah. And, you know, your most famous leader of France, I would say, Napoleon, is specifically there because he's good at war and nothing else. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, by merit alone. So it is a good idea, you know, although maybe not the best consequences later. But, yeah, yeah it, you know. it's a good idea. It will have consequences. It will have massive consequences. But, for you. you know, so it does, is smarter. So does your current system. For sure. And they're neither of them are good, but yeah. some of them maybe are less bad. Less bad. Hmm. I don't know. Do you want to win wars and have consequences or do you want to lose wars and have consequences? Right. And then your own people to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> at least they were like, at least the French people were chill when Napoleon's in charge. We would be the worst people to go back in time. <laughs> we're like, listen, you're going to have two options. Listen, listen. I know, I know Napoleon's a dictator and he's taken over the entirety of Europe, but... Uh, by the time you get there, you're going to beg for him. It'll be okay. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how <laughs> Can bad it's going to get? Imagine? Just imagine yeah. how hmm. bad it's going to get for you to want that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Lafayette's got so little experience, and there's currently no way for him to earn merit. So they basically just say, like, you're out. Which sucks, because he, like, did have a rank and, like, people to command, and that's all he wanted. And they were like, no. No. Not anymore. And he has no plan B. Like, that's the problem. He's like... Because he could do something else. Like, there are other jobs you can have as a noble person to do. No, there's one thing he can do. But, yeah, this is all he cares about. He has no plan B, all in this one thing. Uh, In the meantime, though, his wife, Adrian, has a little girl, um, Henriette, and Lafayette is incredibly excited about it. He's like, this is my first child. He's so happy, and he loves girls, so he's just like, yes, I don't even care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, they need a boy at some point, but, like, we're not going to worry about right now. He's, like, 17, so he's just like, yay. (laughs) Yay. Baby. Um, And uh, even though he's got plenty of money, uh, you know, being a house husband isn't a job he's allowed to have. Yeah. You have to do something or else you're a loser. So... Uh, he's still got the problem of just, like, what do I do? Um, and then on a dark and stormy night, December 1775, 69-year-old Benny Franks meets (laughs) with Julien Alexandre uh, Archard de Bonvolor. Of course. Bonvolor, sorry. Um, who's a French secret agent for Louis XV. Um, just to see if the Americans, like, have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just, like, trying to assess, like, could you beat them? Because, like, if so, maybe we'll help. Uh, but if not, we'll we're not going to even look at you. Yeah. Because it's going to look really bad for France if they help and then they get defeated. You know, the English are really not going to be happy about it. Uh, Is Benny Franks kind but, of like our first secret agent man? I don't know if he's a first secret agent, but he's definitely, like, this feels very like he's leading the CIA situation, yeah. specifically with France, right? <laughs> um, but, it, and today this seems like a very natural alliance, right? You hate England, I hate England, you know, and, and like, France is our oldest ally now. Uh, but at the time, it's not really because... Uh, 
France is very Catholic, yeah. and the American colonies are very Protestant, and that's still an issue for a lot of people of, like, we have very differing, like, ideals that our countries are based right. on. And not only that, but uh, the Americans were helping the British in the French and Indian War, so, mm-hmm. like, recently beat them. Yeah. And they don't love that either. So there's, like, some kind of, like, awkward dancing they're doing of, like, do we really want to do this? Mm-hmm. But their hatred of England is so great. <laughs> it's so strong. And they, Benny Franks charms them enough that he, you know, convinces them that they do have a chance that they say, okay, I'll talk to the king. That's he, uh, incredible. And he H- lets him know. Hatred uh, of England can conquer all. Can conquer anything. He says, yeah, I think they I think they do have a shot. I think we should try to help them, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of the question becomes, how much do we help them? True. Because, you know, they don't help a lot in, like, a very active way. France doesn't join the war, as yeah. it were. Uh, they send supplies secretly and... Some things, like maybe some people eventually, mm-hmm. but not for most of it. Yeah, kind of like the la- the final hour, they mm-hmm. send more help. Right, but... which is intentional, yeah. right? They don't want to be involved unless they're sure it's going to work, and so they have to be involved like as little and subtly as possible mm-hmm. until they're sure, <laughs> which is at the very end, yep. literally. Which is why it's almost weird that like Lafayette's involved, because it's like... The French aren't involved, mm-hmm. so why are you here? He wants it. Because <laughs> of personal reasons. <laughs> he just wants it. Um, but so on July 6, uh, 1776, which is—that's uh, before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. That's in, like, August 1776. Mm-hmm. So just because it's like, oh, July 4th. And it's like, no, no, no. Uh, Silas Dean is from Connecticut, and he's sent to Paris to continue these discussions about, like, how are we going to do this? Uh, Dean meets with the foreign minister of France to ask if they can please send them some supplies. And he doesn't have a lot to offer back. <laughs> but basically he's like, hey, if you help us and this succeeds, we're going to trade with France like a lot. Mm-hmm. Like mostly because like we don't like England, you know. So yeah. they're like, OK, because probably they're pretty limited in trading with the colonies right now because of England. Right. Yeah. And they want that beaver and stuff. So mm-hmm. they're like, OK. They want that beef. So just the promise of like we can have trade stuff in the future is like good enough. They're just like fine. Also, they hate England so much. So they're like, that's <laughs> fine. We know that you don't have a lot and that's OK. Um... And American culture becomes super popular in France, which is hilarious to me because American is. culture is so country bumpkin compared to everything they have. Like they're so fancy. When Benjamin Franklin uh, goes and like swishes around with high society, they love his mm-hmm. coonskin cap. Oh yeah, they're like it's like it's that's exotic, so sexy, which is so weird. <laughs> um, and uh, even Marie Antoinette gets in on this fashion, apparently entirely missing the irony of celebrating people who are standing up against their monarchy. Yeah. Uh, hmm. But the fashion but of the it. fashion. But the fashion of it. Because they literally call them insurgents, right? But it more means like patriots. Because um, insurgents is a very negatively connotated word in English. Yes. Um, but in, in French, it basically just means like patriots or like fighters, um, like kind of neutrally. So, but they love that style. You know, and are just like living. Um, so Broglie and his friend Baron, Baron, I say in quotes. Uh, sure. Um, Johann de Kalb, uh, because he's a Bavarian who married a rich woman and made up his title. Um, <laughs> that like, I love that though. <laughs> like, funny. just say you are. Just say you're a Baron. Who's going to dispute? Hey, I'm a Baron. Especially like you're living in France. You're from Bavaria. Who's going to check? Whatever. I should do that now. <laughs> like, who's going to check? Who's going to check? 
If you're what? If I'm like a baroness. Baroness Haley Strickland. I mean, just nobody cares, though. It doesn't carry weight here, you know? <laughs> yeah, but like. It's not the same. It just sounds cool. Sure. What are they going to do? What are they going to do to me? Who's going to look it up? <laughs> But um, they were both schmoozing with Dean because they both want an invitation to go to the colonies because they're, like, not taking all applications, you know, because at first, like, Dean's there and he's like, this is so exciting. And he starts kind of getting schmoozed by some French elite. And he's like, oh, that's great that they, like, want to help us. Mm -hmm. And then it's like everybody is, like, constantly being like, you know, I could help you. And he just gets, like, exhausted. And he's also just kind of, like, comparing offers now. And he's just like, not all of these are very good. Yeah. Because all of them just kind of want a slice of like what's going on some of them probably want land some of them probably want you know people want to secure those trade routes yeah they're doing it for their own gain of course um and so like slowly over time he's like oh i don't actually this is annoying um (laughs) oh actually mm, so mm. they start being picky about who we're gonna accept basically already with our immigration who are we gonna accept we're gonna be picky about it (laughs) yeah lafayette hasn't gone to talk to dean yet even though he's been there for a while because uh, he gets there in July, and it says he doesn't talk to him until fall, because he, I think, is trying to be calculating, and he knows at some point that there's, like, the tipping point where Dean is, like, annoyed mm-hmm. by people. So then I think he's trying to be like, how do I form a good argument about why I should be the one to go and not yeah. all these other people, basically, which I'm like, honestly— The reason that Americans really like Lafayette when he gets to America is because he has, like, the personality of an American. Yes. He's very gregarious and, like, kind of impolite, and, like, they love that. And And so I'm like, really just go talk to him. He has that that do-it-yourself, go out and, like, grasp life by by the throat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but, like... He just doesn't have the air of superiority French people normally have. He doesn't, like, lavish you with, like, you know, polite words and, like, sweet talk you. Yeah. You know, he's just very, like, down to earth and, uh, you know, he enthusiastic. Has a, he has a dream and he comes to America to find it. Yes. And we love that. We love that. So I'm like, honestly, I think if you just talk to him normally, yeah. he'd probably like you. He'd probably love you. Um, How can he not love you? Look at there's you. a whole thing about, you know... Um, there's the quote in Hamilton where they're talking about Lafayette and it's like Jefferson and Hamilton. And he says like, before he was your friend, he was mine. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, which is true. Uh, but I'm like immediately is friends with both of them. Yeah. (laughs) He's just likable. (laughs) Even these two people who hate each other Mm -hmm. because he's just so likable. Like there's multiple people who are like, I hate all Frenchmen, but I love you. And it's just like, love that boy. Yes. Love him. (laughs) He's like, thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Like he's not insulted at all. He's just like, thank you. Um, because he's like, I also dislike Frenchmen. They're very annoying. <laughs> it's terrible there. <laughs> I love it. Very here. boring. Yeah. No war in France. Exhausting, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but so by fall, Lafayette uh, knows he has to talk to him eventually. Um, so he asks Broglie to introduce him, who passes him off to DeKalb to talk to him. Um, and DeKalb also sees Lafayette as his free pass to America, so he's like, I'd love to. Yes. Because uh, he wants to also get in there to get something. You know, everybody sees... It's the land of opportunity now. Everybody yep. sees something over there, so they want to go. Uh, and Lafayette's father-in-law at first comes to these conversations, uh, and he tries to get permission from the Crown, even, to get Lafayette to go. Mm-hmm. But because they don't want to be directly involved, yeah, they're like, no. Because he's, like, very connected in court. He's, like, very, got his title and all his money. And so they're like, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. He's yeah. not going to go. No, we'll no. send them, you know, uh, weapons or clothes or whatever. But we're not going to send them 
uh, this, like, very well-connected courtier here. Right. No. Um, so his father leaves the, or his father-in-law leaves the conversations, but Lafayette continues to have them privately. Um, because he needs this, my guy. <laughs> he needs it. I need it. It's my dream. Um, so he continues to meet with them through the month of November, begging them to let him, like, show, you know, how useful he could be. He's 19 years old. Yeah. So he's just, he wants to go so bad. He's got a dream. Please. He wants it. Um, and I assume this went, look, I have money, I have clout, I have military blood, I need to avenge my father. Please let me go. <laughs> I, I have to avenge my father. Please. Um... I'm an orphan. They love orphans. Let love. me go. Love orphans. George Washington's my new dad. Let me go. Let America be your new dad. <laughs> we will. We love that. We love that. Um, and, you know, all he wants, he says all he wants in return is a high rank. <laughs> Just straight up. Yeah. And a chance to prove himself. They don't even pay him. They're like, don't pay me. He's like, I'll spend money. I'll pay you. I'll do it. Yeah. And so Dean is like, great. Okay. Love that. I can give you a high rank. I don't care. It's kind of like the marriage thing where they have opportunity but no money. Yes. And the guy with all the money and just wants, like, a chance. It's exactly the same. It is a marriage. <laughs> and um, so Dean agrees. He gives Lafayette the rank of major general. <laughs> yes. Which, uh, who allowed him to do that? Dean? Does, yeah. Hmm. I mean... I'm sure no one in America will be annoyed about that. No. No. I mean, the price was right. <laughs> Listen. We're... If you have money, you can have whatever title you want. What were we going to do? Pay him money? <laughs> we don't have any we don't, money. We need his money. He was the only one we could afford. We paid him with this title. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's free. It's fine. It's free French real estate. <laughs> and he wrote a letter about how he thought the guy could serve them well in America. So he basically just writes him a, you know... An approval letter and In says, letter like... Letter of introduction. And gives it to Lafayette, basically says, like, when you go, take this, and then they'll, like, let you be there, basically. Because Dean's in charge of, you know, the French-American connection at this point. Uh, so DeKalb and Lafayette um, don't have a way to get there, but that's fine, because Lafayette just purchased a boat. Yeah. <laughs> just buy a ship. I'll just buy a boat. It costs a year's income, but who cares? So it's, like, $2 million, but, like, whatever. I have money. <laughs> Too bad. Why didn't you buy a cheaper boat? Because uh, that's going across the Atlantic, I guess. So I guess. he like wants a decent boat. Uh, also, this uh, vessel's name is La Victoire, so maybe he just wants Aww. Victory label, the I, name he likes. I like this boat. Um, it's a really heavy, slow merchant ship, uh, but Lafayette's very excited. So he just slaps six cannons on it and says, let's go. Oh, my god! Even though like it's basically described like, if it gets hit by a cannon, it's doomed immediately. <laughs> He's like, no, it's going to be a fighting boat. No. <laughs> and it's like, it's not. She's going to be a fighting boat. But so Lafayette sends out two letters, one to his wife and one to his father-in-law, both of whom have no idea he's leaving. And he says, sorry, uh, <laughs> to both of them. Um, in particular, it's bad for Adrian, his wife, because she is currently pregnant with their second child. Um, and he basically just says, please don't be too mad at me. I have to go. I don't know when I'm coming back. And all the, all the female members of his family are like, oh, God, it's happening again. Yep. There he goes. Say, you're never going to see him again. No. He's going to get a cannonball. I hope that child is a boy. <laughs> someone's someone's going to shoot him in the back on the back of a horse. It's going to be yeah. terrible. And I'm just like, women are so patient and wonderful because she got over it. Yeah. Like, she's she just like, okay. Well, Even though she's, you know, because I think she's a little younger than him, too. So she's like 17, I think. This is her second child. And then mm -hmm. her husband's like, I'm leaving. And she's like, oh, my God. 
Um, Bye. Raphael's father-in-law is furious because he, like, (laughs) specifically asked for permission from the king, who said no. So he's like, you cannot do this. The king said no. And not only is he mad, but he's really mad because Lafayette, like, was recently introduced to, like, an English ambassador, like, within the past few months Mm. by his father-in-law. And so he thinks that now that looks like he was trying to help him spy and get information. (laughs) It's not a good look. And he wasn't. So he's like, this is terrible, not only for me, but for you, but mostly for me. So, no. What about me? So he's so mad, he runs to the current king, which is now Louis XVI, and and he like and tells him that he's trying to leave. Mm-hmm. And so then the king sends a message to Bordeaux, which is where his boat is, to say he's not allowed to leave the country. <laughs> but he already gone on a boat. It's too late. He already you left. It's stop. too late. You can't stop Lafayette. But he hasn't headed to America yet. Instead, he, this is where I was saying he does a very Virgo thing that I was like, this is so confusing until I learn you're a Virgo. And I say, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, like, uh, astrology isn't real, but. But he doesn't go to America. He goes to the Bay of Biscay, which is, like, basically on the French-Spanish border. It sounds like a a cooking thing. It does. Um, And basically he's waiting there. Hoping that his father-in-law is going to, like, change his mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let him go. Please. Please say it's okay. Please say um, it. Before he, like, for real leaves. Yeah. So he writes him a letter that's like, okay, I didn't, like, actually leave yet. I'm, like, pretty close by. Um, I really but, like your blessing. Could you just say it's okay that I go? <laughs> could, you, could you just let Can I just do Which, it? for, like, the level of rebellious he's been is, like, hilarious yeah. to me. It's so funny. I would really like your... Um, Approval? Blessing. I mean, he doesn't have a dad. Like, yeah. this is his only dad. You're my, right you're kind of my dad. And so he's just like, can you please say it's okay <laughs> that I do this? Please. Um, and his father-in-law is like, no, uh, it's <laughs> not okay. You have to come back to France right now. And then we're going to go on a tour of Italy to educate you. Like, you're not even going to be allowed to be in France because you don't want to leave. Oh, no. Um, so Lafayette leaves his boat in the Bay of Biscay, but he goes back to France uh, like, further in. He even goes to the city. They tell him to meet him in Marseille, and he goes to Marseille, um, but then he doesn't, like, meet up with them. Mm-hmm. He just is, like, hanging out there for a bit. Uh, and there's already rumors going around France that uh, Lafayette is, like, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, that he's, oh. like, gone. People think so, he's already out of there. Yeah, there, and, you know, even his father-in-law and king aren't sure that he's there. Right? Yeah. Because uh, he hasn't been writing them very much. So they're like, where is he? He could have left and he could leave at any moment. They don't know. Um, but it becomes clear to him that, uh, you know, he's not winning over his father-in-law. He's not winning over the king. And so he sends two letters to the king in rapid succession. Mm-hmm. One of which says, can I have permission to leave? And the <laughs> second one says, I will take no response as permission because you haven't responded to my first letter. <laughs> Uh, you didn't. Uh, God, it's he's like texting the king. <laughs> yep. He's like, "Can I go? Never mind. I'm. I. It doesn't matter." He says, "Like, can I go?" In like one text, and then two minutes later, sends one that says, "I'm gonna take silence as a yes, thanks." Sounds like a yes. Sounds Bye. Like a yes to me. Bye. Which I'm gonna tell you, as far as offers go, silence is not a yes. That's a no. <laughs> so you can't do that in real life. But uh, you know. <laughs> Forgiveness. I'm going to take your silence as permission. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy, my dude. <laughs> it's just... This guy. 
All right, bye. So on April 17th, he leaves officially and is like, later days. Bye. Going to America. Bye. And that's where we're going to stop for this episode. He's on his way with, you know, vehement frustration from his father-in-law, probably from his wife, from the king. From the king of France. But, you know, it's too late. (laughs) I left. (laughs) Uh, Too late. What are you going to do? You going to gun me down? Yeah. Embarrassing. You going to gun down my my awesome, cool uh, war boat that I just I have six cannons on it. I have six whole cannons. (laughs) On my merchant ship. And if it takes one hit, we'll die. On my merchant boat. But yeah, so now he's on uh, on his way to America, the I, land of opportunity. I did not expect to be so entertained by his pre-American life. It's it's a lot. It's a lot, and uh, it's real doofy and like weirdly <laughs> wholesome. Yeah, he's really like he's very wholesome and like very likable, which makes sense because then we love him mm-hmm. in America. So yeah, like, yeah, we do like him, and it's weirdly um like not the American dream as far as like he's not. As far as, like, money is concerned, obviously, because he inherits all this money. Mm -hmm. Like, that just so happens to be his luck. But uh, in, like, the industry of, like, following your dreams against everything and, like, having to work for what you're doing, obviously he was given a very high title uh, just for coming here. But uh, I don't know that that's going to stick. Yeah. Because, you know, even when in in the book when writing that, Laura was basically like, "Eh," you know, and I'm sure that won't make anybody unhappy, which sounds like maybe you don't get to keep it. That sounds like foreshadowing. Also, I know that he's one of Washington's, um, like, what are they called? Favorite boy? Yeah, but what's the, what is the, it's in French. Favorite boy? No. (laughs) It's, it's, there's like a French term, but it's basically like, oh, um, gosh, what's it called? It's basically like his... You know, it's it's the same thing that Hamilton is. Mm-hmm. It's like his like little like uh, secretary. Yeah, <laughs> basically his his little his, boy. Like, yeah, his little like errand boy, basically. Yeah. So like you know, he doesn't immediately get to be in charge of everything uh, for sure, and uh, a lot of people don't like him at first because they see this as like the French kind of intruding on, like, their whole thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is our revolution. It You're is not involved. one Frenchman. <laughs> yeah, but there's, like, a bunch of them who come over to try to do it. So yeah. they they see it as, like, a whole collective of people being annoying. And I'm like... You're welcome. They are individuals, and this one is going to be really important. Mm-hmm. So anyway, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed learning about Little Baby Lafayette. Little Baby Lafayette. And his very long name and all of his male ancestors who are mysteriously dead (laughs) and uh we will have you know part probably four parts to this this is probably gonna be a long one yeah oh definitely because i'm reading a long book but um yeah yeah hopefully you enjoy it though learning about the boy I'm very excited for when he goes back to France. So am I, actually. I've I haven't like finished the book, but I've read some things, and I'm like, yikes! This yeah. sounds bad, specifically for you. Like so. everything, most of what I know about him is either from like America Revolution times, yeah, or uh, uh-huh. the other Revolution the time, Revolution. where he has a very different reputation. Yeah. Hero in one and a villain in the other. So uh, look forward to that.
Anyway, thank you for listening. You can email us at circulationpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. If it lets you review, please do and tell us that you like it. Yeah. We appreciate it. We'd love that. And um, you support us on Patreon. Thanks to all our patrons. We appreciate you greatly. And, uh, yeah, bye-bye. Bye. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. If you say the R's, you're an idiot. Or for or for it is two syllables. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>